0: I can look at the rocket launch, the trophy wives of the astronauts, and I won't listen to their words, because I like
1: birds. And welcome to Bird Calls, everybody. This is Chris Bozak, your host, uh, here with co-host Marty Dickinson. How are you, Marty?
2: Great,
3: Chris. How are you today?
1: I am fine, thank you. And Jill is here. How are you, Jill?
3: Good, thank you. I saw a beautiful cardinal.
1: Oh, very nice! Oh my gosh,
3: it was on on the fence in my in my yard, and mm-hmm. I was just it was just so beautiful. I couldn't. I haven't seen one in a while, that and I'm assuming
2: terrific. I'm assuming it was a red cardinal as opposed to yes. a female.
3: Well, the female <laughs> yeah. cardinal
2: is very beautiful too. It's just um, less red and has a lot of uh, sort of brownish uh, this was brushing. Was very very bright red. Right, oh, very yeah. good, yeah. Mr. Handsome, Mr. Cardinal. <laughs> yeah, they are cool if you watch the behavior of them. If you if you hang out with them, Jill, they're very cool.
1: They are cool. Well, speaking of that, so we're going to have a good show today coming up. We're going to talk about Pledge to Fledge, which is all about getting uh, non-birders interested in birding. Uh, of course, the hope and thought there is that if you get people caring about birds and interested in birds, they will be uh, interested in, you know, protecting them. And uh, so we're going to talk about the Pledge to Fledge. It's This is straight from the, their literature. Through its flagship program, Pledge to Fledge, a grassroots birding outreach movement, the Global Birding Initiative mobilizes birders through, throughout the world to share their appreciation for birds and others. So, we're going to talk with uh, three people who are going to um, kind of organizing and uh, putting together Pledge to Fledge, uh, which is August twenty fourth through twenty sixth. And the basic concept is, if you are a, if you are a birder. You talk about uh, getting non-birders, you know, bring them out to the field. Or if you're out there looking at birds and someone walks by, I call them over and say, "Hey, check out this bird," and maybe they'll get interested in in birds. But uh, so, who who are we going to be talking to, Marty?
2: Well, um, also, I just want to input that it's it's about getting children out there, but it's also getting adults, getting anybody out there, big, small, short. Wide, Any any people all over the world. We have uh, three people that are coming on that ha- were involved in the initial part of that with Richard Crosley. He's not going to be on today, but we have Dave Mignon and we have Michelle Moloff and her sister, Danielle Moloff those two are uh the sisters are from california they have um a company called specific bird and supply and we'll we'll touch base on that a little bit but it's pretty much um people that are around the world that are going to get involved with this and there have been key uh several key people of these three that are going to come on today and talk a little bit about that and get a little bit more into detail about that so it should be really interesting
1: Okay, yeah, and you said uh, Richard Crosley is involved, and he actually talked about it uh, several months ago on Bird Calls Radio. That
2: he did with his book, and uh, it was one of those, uh, it's uh, just a grassroots starting to, you know, bring it from. People that know about birding um, already know about birding, but it's to bring it to the forefront and get people much more involved with the conservation birding, getting kids outside. Um, sort of the mantra that that you've always have uh, mm-hmm. talked about, Chris, as as I have too. So it should be really interesting, and and it's to get everybody involved and get people out and get people in. You know talking about it so
1: okay, and Dave Michelle and Danielle will talk more about the details but it is yes, august twenty fourth through twenty sixth and it's um it's a global initiative so it's not uh, an event where people gather it's just you go out wherever you are and get non birders involved in birding um,
2: right you can have actually have groups and people too you can get together and do little things in your mm-hmm. particular area, so as you said it's global and it's um bringing it forefront and being aware of it and um getting off your duff and getting outside and, and uh, doing things.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, with this is Bird Calls Radio. I'm not sure I properly introduced the show yet, which deserves a good introduction. It so it's, certainly uh, does. <laughs> we're sponsored by Wild Birds Unlimited um, in Darien and also Bedford Hills, New York, and also uh, Maritime Aquarium at Norwa. Um We're on uh, Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're now on iTunes. So go to any of those places and search for Bird Calls Radio and you will find us.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, iTunes is the way to go. Um, We also have the archives on Bird Calls Radio too, Mm -hmm. but we also have them on iTunes for those who cannot listen on listen live on Sunday. So we're all hooked in here.
1: We are, we are. So there's no excuse not to listen to Bird Calls Radio anymore. And we're going to bring on Joe Warren in a second here, but I got a little surprise for Jill. She was so enthralled by that cardinal. What, what What do you think I'm going to play here, Jill?
3: You going to play me a cardinal tweet?
1: Here's a here's a cardinal. Ready? <laughs> this is bird calls. So we got to do some bird calls here. Thank you. We do several calls. These cardinals do songs, I should say. It's fascinating to watch cardinals perch and do their <coughs> songs over and over again. They're just, they just—they get the loud, clear whistles. Just beautiful singers. Sometimes starting very early. Thank you. You're welcome, Jill. And the, their calls are just little high-pitched chip notes. So if you learn that, uh, you know, a lot of times cardinals, as conspicuously colored as they are, they can uh, hide very well sometimes. So if you get to learn their um, their call note, which is a kind of a high chip, that's uh-huh. a, will also help you in birding. You'll you'll not sometimes you sit there and wonder what the heck is that but uh if you learn that you'll know it's a cardinal and then you can uh go about trying to find the cardinal i would imagine that wild birds unlimited has probably uh started a few people on the path to bird watching in the hobby of uh of watching birds and speaking of wild birds unlimited we have joe warren from the wild birds unlimited in bedford hills new york and also uh darien connecticut so welcome to the show joe
0: Hey, Chris, how are you doing today?
1: I'm fine.
0: Yeah, we do. Uh, we try very hard to get people involved in, in the hobby of backyard bird watching. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that we try to keep in mind is that an awful lot of people are involved in the hobby and don't realize it. Mm-hmm. That is to say they spend time watching birds in their backyard, staring out the window and looking at the activity without formally putting up a bird feeder and, and, and actively pursuing the hobby then all of a sudden one day it strikes them gee I, I these birds are here I ought to put a bird feeder out or I ought to do something uh, more to to attract birds to uh, to my yard and we can help them with that and we try very hard to help them with that uh, so that they, in, they get more involved in the hobby and get more enjoyment out of the hobby um uh, but it's amazing the number of people that you talk to who say oh yeah i've seen that bird oh yeah what is that bird and they don't realize that they are gradually becoming involved in the uh-huh. hobby, you know without and then they make that jump to actively pursue the hobby and it's an awful lot of fun
1: yeah and you you know it's not new store in Darien anymore but it's you know in the scheme of things it's, it's it's relatively new so i i wouldn't think just opening up a new store and catching the attention of people coming off the train that would you know maybe spark an interest just just in in that way
0: it does the other thing that we try to do is we try to offer in both of our stores a lot of gift items that will bring people into the store for reasons other than backyard bird watching and then once they're in the store and see all the things that are available to help them and to make it really easy to get involved in backyard bird birdwatching um, and also the expert advice that we can give them in terms of, of what to get, how to set it up, uh, how to pursue getting a variety of birds in the backyard. Uh, one of the things that we really encourage our customers to do is to, the, the term backyard birdwatching is really a misnomer. We do bird watching everywhere. It isn't just in the yard. It's all around the house. And so we encourage our customers to, before they start putting up bird feeders and, and putting up bird houses and things like that, to begin to think, where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my time when I'm indoors? Where do I spend my time when I'm outdoors? Um, when it's summer, when it's winter, do these do things vary Typically, the kitchen is set up the same way whether it's summer or winter. But you might spend an awful lot more time um, inside in the summer in one particular area of the house than you would in the wintertime. Certainly in the summer, we'd expect people to spend more time outdoors than they do indoors. So when thinking about where to locate birdhouses and bird feeders and these types of things, it's important to think about where you're going to get the most enjoyment out of it um, a lot of times people will think of setting up a bird feeder, um, a pole and a feeder and all the accoutrements that go with it, thinking in terms of where the gardens are located and where the trees are located and where the bushes are located, only to get it there and realize that when they're having their morning coffee and would enjoy watching the birds, they've located it in a place they can't see it. Right. And and that's not what we want them to do. We want them to, to think What's going to attract the birds, but also what's going to attract them to a location where I can enjoy watching them.
1: All right. And I've also seen you, uh, you're a whiz at getting people started. I've seen seen—I've been in, in the store when a new bird watcher comes in and you get them set up. So, uh, you know, I would recommend going to see Joe and uh, his wonderful wife, Pat, uh, in Bedford Hills, New York, or in Darianne. So tell us, tell us how to get there, Joe.
0: Yeah, the Darian store is located on Heights Road right next door to the Neuroten Heights Post Office across the street from the Neuroten Heights Railroad Station. And the Bedford Hills store is up on Route 117 in Bedford Hills across the street from the Splash Car Wash. And come into either of our stores, mention this radio program, we'll give you a free five-pound bag of seed. And as I said, in addition to all the equipment that you need, we do have the, the local expertise to help you to get started in this hobby and and do it properly so that you get the most enjoyment out of the hobby.
1: All right. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot, Joe, as always.
0: Anytime, guys. Enjoy the rest of the day.
1: All right. Thanks, Joe. All right, and that's uh, Joe Warren from Wild Birds Unlimited. And uh, we're going to be back with uh, some guests, uh, experts on Pledge to Fledge, which is a global initiative taking place August 24th through 26th. I can't wait to talk about that. But we're going to take a short break here at Bird Calls on 1490 WGCH.
4: It is the ocean's most deadly predator. Sleek, powerful, the very name of it strikes fear into swimmers everywhere. It is... Shark!
5: Want to know what one feels like? Hurry into the Maritime Aquarium at Norwalk for Touch a Shark. That's right, you can touch a real live shark in the aquarium's brand new Shark and Ray touch tank. Plus, you can take your picture in a shark cage and see baby sharks even before they're born. Come see all that's new. 21 new exhibits, 27 new species, 300 new animals. Touch a Shark completes the fantastic refurbishment at the Maritime Aquarium at Norwalk. The great white alligator is back at the Maritime
4: Aquarium, but only for the summer. This 8-foot albino is the rarest animal you will ever see. White alligator, now through Labor Day only. With scary sharks and friendly ones you can touch, cute meerkats, and amazing IMAX movies, the Maritime Aquarium at Norwalk offers an affordable family adventure close to home.
1: Shark! Hi, this is Chris Bozak inviting you to check out birdcallsradio.com. It's the official internet home of the Bird Calls Radio program, heard right here on 1490 WGCH from 1 to 2 p.m. every Sunday. Bird Calls is your weekly look at the wonderful world of wild birds, birdcallsradio.com supports the show with bird blog postings show archives a contact me button and a special page for potential advertisers to learn how to support bird calls radio so check out birdcallsradio.com and feel free to drop me a line
6: welcome to the wild wild birds unlimited nature shop where you can turn your backyard into an unlimited oasis of natural harmony With birdhouses, feeders, and baths, no-waste seed blends, and a great selection of garden and gift items, Wild Birds Unlimited Nature Shop is any nature lover's paradise. Wild Birds Unlimited Nature Shop, in Bedford Hills, New York, and now in Darien, Connecticut. Kimry Group is a boutique media service agency helping
3: Fortune 500 corporations, nonprofits, and local businesses in all aspects of advertising, photography, and promotions. Kimry Photo includes assignments. Stock images from 1925 to 2011, consulting, permissions, photo editing, and research, as well as multimedia presentations. Kimry Media creates and executes activity for advertising, digital media, and sponsorship. To succeed and show how you can make a difference and get noticed, visit kimrygroup.com. That's k y m r y group.com or contact Marty Welch Dickinson at 203-846-0359.
1: And welcome back to Bird Calls, everybody. This is Chris Bozak, your host. We're here with uh, co-host Marty Dickinson and also uh, Jill is over there making us sound good and making the levels proper. Uh, so we got a great show going on, and we're going to talk about Pledge to Fledge, a global initiative uh, to get non-birders out there birding, which is coming up uh, August 24th through 26th. And we have uh, three of the people heavily involved with it, uh, Dave, Michelle, and Danielle. So what, what, one, one by one, starting with Dave, what, uh, introduce yourselves and tell us um, kind of what your role is.
7: Uh, thank you for having us on the show. Um, my name is Dave have been brought on board with the Pledge to Fledge with Richard and the ladies and Keith Barnes. Um, I'm a school teacher out of New Jersey, and it's been a passion since I've been into birding to bring people into birding because it does so many good things for them. And as a result, I started Fledging Birders Institute, which is aimed at bringing pr- people into birding.
1: Okay, let's hear from uh, for, from Danielle now.
8: Yeah, um, I'll just go ahead and introduce Michelle and I since we are sisters who live in Los Angeles, California, and we are best friends, birding buddies, and co-owners of Pacific Bird and Supply Company, which is an all-natural wild bird feed and supply company
2: that that's, we
8: got into this, um, I'm sure I'll go ahead and explain the story in a bit, but um, with Keith Barnes, Dave, Richard Crossley, and it was our goal to kind of create an organization that could go ahead and unite birders worldwide in a campaign to pledge to fledge young birders and new birders.
2: That's very cool. Well, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that. What is Pledge to Fledge all about, Michelle?
9: Sure. So, simply put, Pledge to Fledge is an international grassroots global birding initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, Our goal is to promote the growth and enjoyment of birding through education, sharing, and discovery. Um, We seek to do this by inspiring birders across six continents, which is pretty incredible, um, and take out non-birders, in savannas, wetlands, forests, and parks to experience the thrill of searching for, observing, and identifying birds in their natural habitat for the very first time. Um, I'm sure as birders ourselves, we can all sort of remember how wonderful it was to see our spark bird for the first time, and that's really what our mission is to do, is to get others involved and, and see their birds that inspire them to go out and observe nature. What we found is the minute someone sees a bird for the first time, it's almost
8: impossible to ignore. You can't really evade birds once they capture your your attention.
2: That's for sure.
9: So we're really excited about this, and it's going to be, you know, it's, it's an online pledge. So essentially you go online and you pledge to fledge a new birder, um, and you can upload your photos and really connect with the world around you on this. this it's, it'll, our inaugural event is August 24th through the 26th, so we are very excited about it. And that weekend, in real time, you'll see birders from all across the
8: world, you know, the Young Birders Club of Uganda, mm-hmm. the Young Birders of Ohi- um, Ohio and Iowa, uploading their photos and sharing their their events and, you know, pledging to pledge young birders and showing them with their young fledglings out birding.
2: Wow, cool. It's just such a really cool thing and I'm really glad that now um, it's come to the forefront where several people have gotten together. How did the Global Birding Initiative come about, Danielle?
8: You know, um, it was really, it was funny. Michelle and I had headed over to Rutland, England for bird fair. Mm-hmm. For any of mm-hmm. you who haven't been, it was one of the most remarkable Apparently we've incredible. ever had. There were 25,000 birders from around the world there. I know. And we've gone to see Richard Crossley, mm-hmm. um, written The Crossley ID Guide, Speak, uh, sure. a book we adore, and went up to him afterwards, asked him to sign our book. And he looked at us. He's like, you two aren't birders. <laughs>
9: <laughs> you don't exactly fit the mold of a birder. <laughs> Michelle <laughs> and I are like, well, yes, we are, Mr. Crossley. <laughs> 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 and, you know, from that point, he, you know, we... Uh, met up with him at a pub later that evening with a couple of his friends. And, you know, the chemistry was just there. We started talking, and there was passion and love for the future of birding and getting other people involved. And that's really where the, the premise of um, Pledge to Pledge hatched. And from that point on, when we got back to the States, what we saw that evening, though, was that we had birders from five five different continents. We
8: all had different vastly different birding interests some of us were photographers some of us were competitive birders michelle and i were backyard birders we Mm -hmm. also enjoyed birding some of us were listers it was just very different so geographically demographically in terms of birding interests we were so different and yet we all had this fundamental passion um to share our love and appreciation for, for birds with others and to unite birds worldwide, and once we
9: started talking and realized that despite our differences we there's such a common a common foundation for what we wanted to do yeah, we realized how incredible it would be if we could unite birders of all sorts and across
8: you know interests and demographics and you know uh, geographical locations and work together to promote bird awareness appreciation and conservation ethic yeah and so I once
9: we got back to the states the idea really continued and Richard kept mentioning Dave Magpeong and he was like you have to get Dave Magpeong on board
8: you don't understand he's already been doing this he'd be the like it was a natural it was a given and so Dave came on board and it was this beautiful synergy and it was just such a natural chemistry and from there gbi was really hatched and fledge
9: the fledge is in full swing
2: yeah, yeah. it really is cool um you know this question is going to be to dave and why should birders participate and how will a unified effort make a difference dave
7: oh that's a great question marty you say why should birders participate and my question back to you and birders <laughs> out there is why wouldn't you participate you yeah why not bird. yeah Right. it's something that we all need to do, because too many people walk down the street and they'll walk right under a flock of um, cedar waxwings and have no idea they're yeah. there. They'll walk through, yeah. you know, downtown Philadelphia and there'll be a peregrine falcon flying overhead. They have no idea it's there. How can we not open their eyes? To that? You know, it's given all of us such incredible joy, the stress relief, the intrinsic beauty of it. Mm-hmm. It's almost selfish to keep that to ourselves. Yeah. You know, how can we not, if we care about people, how can we not share it with them? What, what, how can birders not want to share it with other people? Because the more we share birds with others, the more their eyes get opened, then they start to appreciate birds and the habitats they're found in. And then you have all of a sudden more people that care about conservation. So yeah. if we care about birds, how can birders not do this? We need to reach out. We all need to be ambassadors for birds in our own little corner of the world.
2: Yeah, you and, know, I, you know, Richard
7: and <laughs> Richard Crossley, you know, has a book out there and he's a big name and, you know, David Sibley and lots of big names that are out there. But to my buddy Rich down the street, Crossley and Sibley mean nothing to him. I have a connection with those people and so many other birders have those connections. Mm. Their family, their friends, their coworkers, their students, you know, their cousin down the street. And we're the ones that can go out and catch those people. And like Danielle and Michelle said, give them that spark bird experience. Get them to bite. Then, once they bite, they're going to dump us for Richard or somebody else.
2: <laughs> or they're going to start showing you. Yeah, they're going to start showing you the things that they're seeing too. Absolutely. And I think, I think you're right, Dave, on, and, and Michelle and Danielle, that, you know, we all as birders, we do our own thing. And some of us go solely into the, the wilds to look at birds and others go with groups and others go with big groups, small groups. But there's always been sort of an underline where, you know, I think there are a lot of people that share, but I think there are a lot of people that don't share. And why shouldn't we all be sharing? And, again, everybody has their different passions or their different levels of what they like to do in birding. But it's really just being aware of what's out there, too, whether it's birds or anything else. Um, so, right,
7: can I jump off on that for a sure, second? Sure,
2: absolutely.
7: Um, you know, a lot of birders, you're right. You know, it's, it's a, Birding is an escape for us all yeah. the time you know, to get away from the hustle and bustle. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that even for those birders, it really helps to share. Oh, um, for sure. Know, last, um, two years ago, a Townsend warbler was found in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and it was found because a gentleman by the name of Tony Crosdale was bringing out a new group of people in a new area that birders right. don't go to. Yeah. And this young lady, an their city lady from Philadelphia, saw this little yellow bird. Mm-hmm. And at first, mm-hmm. you know, the leader thought it was going to be a goldfinch. He starts talking about goldfinches. He's turned around in his binoculars. <laughs> Lo and behold it was a townsend's a warbler, townsend's
2: warbler. <laughs> name after you know, my own husband
7: <laughs> i had the same experience with a jeer falcon in new jersey i ran into an old friend i said hey let's go out and birding and i wasn't expecting to go down to salem county but i got down there and i almost hit a jeer falcon with my van wow. you know jeer falcons in new jersey are not common but by sharing with people you get into situations or places you're not expecting and Birds have wings, and they show up.
2: Right, right, right. Um, how is pe- Pledge to Fledge different from other birding events like CBC, I- IMDB, the Big Seat, etc., Dave?
7: The Big Seat. I think I might have it. I know. Seat. <laughs> big Seat, Big <laughs> Sit. blah, that. blah. <laughs> the words just but, aren't working know,
2: today. <laughs>
7: <laughs> there are a lot of great programs out there. You know, Christmas Bird Count's been a tradition for over 100 yeah. years. and IMDB has done great stuff mm-hmm. um, with getting, you know, families and groups involved in a big city. It's a great tradition it can yep. become a big party.
2: sure is. Um,
7: but for a lot of those events, the people that go to those are people that already know about and care about birds. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pledge to Fledge is different because its whole focus is to birders to mobilize and be empowered to say, you know what, I am an expert in my town, and I'm going to show you what we have here. And it's not just to look at birds the main focus is to share birds and to share birding and from there it's actually good for all those other events because by doing this we're going to get more people to participate in those events yeah you know at those respective times of the year so it actually benefits not just those new people in the bird but it benefits the birding community because we're going to pump more people into it they care about it and are interested and they can learn more through cbc and imdb and the big sit and so on
8: and on top of that, it's actually it's a global initiative, right? Which changes everything entirely because this is the first ever real global birding initiative that has taken place. And so you were—I mean—we're mobilizing people across the world to to partake in this event. Sure. Um, and even though here in North America we might have a lot of these, you know, events where birders can part- actively participate, even though um, in other parts of the world you know, that's not necessarily the case. And here we have the opportunity, you know, enviro- conservationism, it's something that needs to, we need to develop future generations of conservationists everywhere. So this is particularly important to do not only here in North America, but, but abroad as well. And so this is truly the first ever global burning initiative, which makes, which makes it entirely different.
2: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else is on board? How is uh, uh, we'll, we'll call P2F taking flight worldwide? Well, I guess we just really pretty much talked about that, but you can probably have well, more details. So the idea Danielle.
8: was to make this truly a grassroots effort. And when, when Dave, Richard, Keith, Michelle, and I looked at it all, we were – trying to find ways how do we mobilize birders around the world mm-hmm. um and so we we decided that we wanted this to be a grassroots effort this is about empowering birders to to take action yeah and and get them to be enthusiastic about about encouraging new new folks to get out their birding and so we wanted to put the power back you know in the hands of birders and and encourage them to do so so in order to mobilize birders around the world we asked Global ambassadors to join us um, uh-huh. from each country. We're still working to develop our global ambassador base, but what we what we realize is that P two F is wholly reliant on the participation of and enthusiasm of birders worldwide. Right, and so we've managed to get people on board in just the last few weeks since we've launched. Um, the U.K., we have global ambassadors from Madagascar, Ethiopia, China, the Philippines, Australia, Costa Rica, yeah. Italy, you name it. And, I mean, down to—this was actually presented to the Ugandan president last week.
2: Very um, cool. We have the young,
8: yeah, we have—yeah, the young birders of Uganda are doing amazing things out there that we would never have known. Yeah. And and never have been able to share with the rest of the bird, world birding community. So— we're really just encouraging people to become part of a bigger movement, far bigger than, than North America and and than what we've ever been able to conceive of as, as birders. And so within North America, though, what we've also done um, to make this more accessible and have, have people to reach out to is we've um, separated the country. We have regional coordinators who have mm-hmm. come on board, and they're helping to facilitate re- um, P2F events across the country. But the great thing about this is that anyone can really, and what we want to do is we want allow to allow and empower people to interpret pledge to fledge in their own way. Mm-hmm. Because we understand being birders who are very different in their interests, we understand, you know, if you're a, I know, Marty, you're into bird photography, for you it would only seem natural to take out you know, another person who's interested in photography, but who may never have explored bird photography for the first time.
2: Yeah. 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 Share
8: your lens, like allow them to, to kind of embark on that, uh, on that route. Maybe they've never, never explored it before, but you know, an artist, someone who enjoys drawing birds. I have a lot of people that I've connected with abroad who enjoy drawing birds. Maybe go out there and Take another art student out. If you teach an art class and you're a birder, take your art class out. Um, yeah. Do whatever feels natural to you. Embrace Pledge to fledge in a way that feels natural to you. Um, if you enjoy doing bird walks, plan a bird walk. If you're a, a Wild Birds Unlimited store owner, plan an activity. Teach people about you know bird feeding 101. Do a backyard birds and barbecue where you just invite your family
2: and friends over to come see
7: your barbecue. Yeah, so what? <laughs> okay, your barbecue, your bird dance. Exactly. <laughs> well, you could, I mean, please do put birds on the barbecue. I mean, there
2: are a million different ways that you can engage in this. <laughs> exactly, and as you said, it can be just a small group or one-on-one group, or it can be, you know, Absolutely. five people. It can be ten people. It's just a matter of getting out there and doing what you love to do, and I think I that's mean, a great as a thing. Teacher,
8: Dave has done some remarkable things, and this is why we were we were so excited to have him on board but he 's done some remarkable things with with young birders and has seen the results firsthand
2: right and If I may just interject here um Dave, if I may say that you also work with special needs children, so you 've been getting them out into the the natural world and um um, please uh, tell tell us about you know the the experiences that you've had on that and just briefly not not lengthy
7: that's something i can talk about for hours but real quick (laughs) um i started out as a special ed teacher and i was a teacher before i even knew what chickadees and nuthatches were um and then i got into it and i started doing it before school at my school and at that time i was a special ed teacher so i started bringing some students out Mm -hmm. um because they were asking me why your shoes all dirty so i would bring them out and i you know i can't use names of course but i had this one young lady who had issues with communication she was painfully shy she barely spoke in class all year we're at april at this point um but i would start bringing her out
2: Mm -hmm. and
7: she would start not just looking at the bird and getting into it, but talking to the kids about it. We saw, you know, a great and she would talk to another kid, and she would call it, hey, it's like him, because it has a black hat on, because he would always wear a Yankees hat. Yeah. <laughs> and she started coming out and talking to all the kids about it. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. At the end of the year, uh, around mid-May, after we were doing this for a few weeks, we actually had an IEP meeting, which is where we get together with the parents. We review how the progress went over the year and make suggestions for the next year. Near the end of the meeting, the mother, you know, took a break because they were making copies of the documents. And she said, Mr. Mag, I just want to let you know, thank you so much. And she started to tear up. And I was thinking, you know, well, you're welcome. You know, it's my job to teach the kids. You know, I try to do the best I can. And, you know, your daughter's been wonderful. And she goes, no, no, it's beyond the classroom. You took her out birding. You gave her a voice.
2: Exactly. She would come
7: home and we would sit down at dinner and she would never say anything. And now she comes home. She jumps up, and she'll just jump up. And she, the mother starts explaining. She would wiggle her butt and put her hand there like a tail, She goes, "It had like a red butt, and it, it had a black <laughs> hat on." And you gave her a voice, exactly. and I was really touched by that. And a lot of times when I tell a story, it gives me chills. But the yeah, truth was,
2: scary.
7: I'm not the one that gave her a voice. It was the birds that gave her a voice.
2: But you helped um, facilitate it. But you helped facilitate,
7: help facilitate it. it. Yeah, and we can all do that. Birders need to do that because it, it's transformational—the power of birds. Um, I had this one student who was really shy, he was a sixth grade boy. You know how sixth grade boys can be, um, and he was had social communication issues. Well, I also had a girl that was an eighth grade girl that was coming out and going birding just because she thought it was interesting. Heard what I did, and we would all be out there together. Well, I have you know this boy walking through the hall, head down, like he's in his own little shell because he's overwhelmed by everybody. And as he's walking by, this pretty eighth grader walks by, and she knows him from birding, and she goes, hey, so-and-so, how's it going? Wasn't that great this morning? You know, when we saw that the uh, cardinal come in, and they start talking— he walked away, his head was held so high, and all those 6th grade boys were looking at him like, oh, he talked to her? The birds were the thing that broke that barrier down. So guys out there, if you get into birds, the ladies might come too. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah.
1: That is great advice, Dave. And uh, you know, that's kind of what the Pledge to Fledge is all about. Uh, so we're well, we're going to take a quick break and get into a lot more on Pledge to Fledge. Um, uh, but we've got to take a short break here on Bird Calls on 1490 WGCH.
4: Is the ocean's most deadly predator. Sleek, powerful, the very name of it strikes fear into swimmers everywhere. It is... Shark! Want to know what one feels
5: like? Hurry into the Maritime Aquarium at Norwalk for Touch-A-Shark. That's right, you can touch a real live shark in the aquarium's brand new shark and ray touch tank. Plus, you can take your picture in a shark cage and see baby sharks even before they're born. Come see all that's new. 21 new exhibits, 27 new species, 300 new animals. Touch-A-Shark completes the fantastic refurbishment at the Maritime Aquarium at Norwalk. The great white alligator is back at the Maritime Aquarium, but only for the summer. This 8-foot
4: albino is the rarest animal you will ever see. White alligator, now through Labor Day only. With scary sharks and friendly ones you can touch, cute meerkats, and amazing IMAX movies, the Maritime Aquarium at Norwalk offers an affordable family adventure close to home.
1: Shark! Hi, this is Chris Bozak, inviting you to check out birdcallsradio.com. It's the official internet home of the Bird Calls Radio program, heard right here on 1490 WGCH from 1 to 2 p.m. every Sunday. Bird Calls is your weekly look at the wonderful world of wild birds. BirdCallsRadio.com supports the show with bird blog postings, show archives, a contact me button, and a special page for potential advertisers to learn how to support Bird Calls Radio. So check out BirdCallsRadio.com and feel free to drop me a line.
6: Welcome to the Wild Wild Birds Unlimited Nature Shop, where you can turn your backyard into an unlimited oasis of natural harmony. With birdhouses, feeders, and baths, no waste seed blends, and a great selection of garden and gift items, Wild Birds Unlimited Nature Shop is any nature lover's paradise. Wild Birds Unlimited Nature Shop, in Bedford Hills, New York, and now in Darien, Connecticut. Kimry
3: Group is a boutique media service agency helping Fortune 500 corporations, nonprofits, and local businesses in all aspects of advertising, photography, and promotions. Kimry Photo includes assignments. Stock images from 1925 to 2011, consulting, permissions, photo editing, and research, as well as multimedia presentations. Kimry Media creates and executes activity for advertising, digital media, and sponsorship. To succeed and show how you can make a difference and get noticed, visit kimrygroup.com. That's k y m r y. Group.com or contact Marty Welch Dickinson at 203 846 0359.
1: And welcome back to Bird Calls, everybody. This is Chris Bozak, your host. We're here with Marty and Jill. And also, uh, wonderful guests, Danielle and Michelle Moliff, and also Dave Magpiong from Pledge to Fledge. So we're hearing a lot about uh, this initiative to get non-birders out there, August 24th through 26th. Uh, So I was wondering if you could offer some tips and maybe a specific example. I know uh, uh, one of you has a... uh, a uh, good story about how you got your husband involved. So let's let's hear that story. And then if you have any other tips for uh, getting non-birders involved, uh, please share that as well.
8: Uh, I guess that would be me. Um, yes, my husband has many birders. Their spouse may or may not be a birder. Um, mine was, he would come. Willingly, but wasn't exactly gung-ho, you know, to throw some bins around his neck and come out. So one day I said to him, I was like, honey, we're going birding today. And he looked at me, he's like, well, okay. (laughs) And I was like, hmm. I'd gone out previously, knowing he wouldn't be particularly enthusiastic, and rented him a 600 millimeter lens. And I showed it to him, you know, having been interested in photography before, just not bird photography, because he didn't have the equipment. I was like, Honey, no, we're going birding this weekend, and I showed him the lens, and he looked at me, and he had the biggest smile across his face, and <laughs> that <yeah>.
2: electronics <laughs> team, and lenses—that's always works oh yeah, for guys, a guy right? Guy and his gadgets, yeah, mm-hmm. completely.
8: So he looked at me, and that that changed our—I mean, that changed our world. And um, I'm involved with photography, but he just took such a love for. For bird photography, and would study bird photography, and would study birds to the point where he was probably more quick to identify than I was, yeah. <laughs> or I am. Yeah.
2: Um, well, you were probably you were probably photographing the birds and getting on them as opposed to looking at them. You were going to take the picture first and then figure yes. out what it was later.
8: Exactly. Yeah. Which. Um, hmm. <laughs> Some birders might dislike, but he and i we um we go out together, and it's just it's such a joy to be able to share that with someone and I guess you know what i realized and and learned from Dave Macbeyong that what i'd inadvertently done was really pay attention to what he enjoyed doing and catered you know his introduction to birding that way versus just um you know, birding, um, just encouraging to come birding with me with just uh, bins. Okay. So it it worked. Yeah, it worked out really well. Um, you know, Dave always talks about really looking into what into what someone's interests are and then working working that way with them. Um, Dave, maybe you want to talk a little bit about your fledging birders.
7: I would love to.
2: Or maybe um, or, Marty, may, or maybe we should talk about the dog in the background. <laughs> does does, yes. the, does the dog That's like to, <laughs> does the dog like to go birding too? <laughs>
7: <laughs> no. Most animals do like to look at I birds. I know they as, do. Right. You know, <laughs> <prey. laughs> um, but Marty, you know, when it comes to trying to get new people interested in birds, um, you know, there's two camps. You know, If you look at baby birds, you have shorebirds. You, we've all seen pictures of adorable little piping plovers. Uh-huh. They hatch out, and they're ready to walk and start getting out there. Sure. But most birders, or most people that aren't birders, are more like a robin. When they're born, they're helpless, they're blind, they can't do anything. They need that constant support, that someone to guide them and give them little tidbits yeah. and get them going. And that's kind of what the idea behind... The fledging birders method that I came up with,
0: okay.
2: and that's
7: a result of teaching. You know, the first thing sure. you want to try to do is spark that curiosity, and it might be as simple as you know, putting up pictures in your office or wearing a, a shirt about you know your favorite birding location. Yeah, start yeah. planting that seed, and the conversations get started, and it gives you that entrance. And then, the, probably the most important step is to try to make birds meaningful and relevant to people. Um, you know, I have a friend down the street that's a big coffee drinker, and mm-hmm. he, you know, we've talked about birds. He knows sure. I'm into it. Yeah. We were out one day, and he was pouring himself a cup of coffee. I said, oh, man. He goes, why? I said, you just killed a cerulean warbler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was like, I was crazy. Yeah. And I started explaining the connection.
2: Right, um, right.
7: Years ago, a rosie spoonbill showed up um, at Forsyth National Wildlife. I right.
2: remember I mean, that. I came yeah. home
7: from work, <laughs> and I said to my daughter, honey, a bird showed up, and I think you're going to like it. And she's like, why? I was like, well, it's your favorite color. she was into the, you know, those In pretty princesses at that yeah. point.
0: Yeah. Yep.
7: So that became her favorite bird. You know, five years later, she did a diorama about the Rojo Spoonbill for her class. Cool. It was great. She had Richard Crossley as one of her sources. Cool. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> oh, that always helps.
7: <laughs> and then, But once you get their real interest going, then you got to start nurturing it. And it's an ongoing process. You know, you want to bring them out, but you don't want to bring them out and... Beat them up. You don't necessarily want to go mm-hmm. to, again, Forsyth National Wildlife Refuge and sit there for two hours trying to pick out a short bill doucher and long-billed doucher right. a long bill doucher as the green hedger bouncing off your forehead. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. not going to be pleasurable. <laughs> no. It could be as simple as a blue jay in the backyard. Well, I was they just about do to it, say, feel right? Them out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because um, it doesn't mean that then, you have to go out to a, a, a refuge, as you said, but to right. just get them out into the backyard. But go ahead. Sorry.
7: You know, for us, it's, you know, those birds, we really want to see something that we don't see often, but for most people, they don't see cedar waxwings, they don't see red-breasted nuthatches. You know, there are things that we take for granted, but birds are beautiful, even the ones that have come to my window feeder right now. Um, But then there's that fourth step, and I have to throw kudos to my friend Paul Basich, who opened my eyes to how important bird education is to bird conservation. Mm -hmm. And by getting people into it, throughout the whole time, we can intersperse, you know, conservation messages. You know, whether it's me talking to my friend about, you know, the coffee he's drinking, or maybe a gardener who's throwing pesticide all over his garden. Um, or it could be a number of issues. But then once you get them into it, try to get them doing something. Maybe setting up you know, native habitat in their backyard. Or opening up a feeding station. But if we can start getting that conservation action at the local level and that mentality to sink in, the next thing you know we have you know, if we do it with older people, we have active conservationists right now. And if we do it with the kids, we're ensuring a future conservation as the coming up, you know, from the little ones.
1: Yeah, so, so that's the, kind
7: of the main thing, you know, pique the curiosity, make it meaningful, nurture their interest, and then get them
1: into the conservation. Okay. So the event goes August twenty fourth through twenty-six, but it actually your hope is that it goes well beyond that, right?
9: Yeah, so actually, um, this is our inaugural event, August 24th through August 26th, but it will be a biannual event with something happening in the spring as well. Mm -hmm. But in in addition to that, you know, we realize that um, twice yearly for one event is not really going to cut it. So our um, website, pledgetofledge.org, is is a great way to continue the conversation going throughout the year and a way to find um, other alternatives to, you know, keep your fledgling engaged and active throughout the year. And
8: right. organizations around the world can contact us, or their global ambassadors, and we are able to then post events, you know, educational bird events going on throughout the world on our on our calendar. Right. So and that it'll be a central place for people to be able to know what's going on if if, you know, again, you're in the young birders club of Uganda and you want to know what what other events are going on in Africa at that time then you know, you're able to check it out, and no, because there, to date, there really hasn't been a place where they've been able to access that, that sort
2: of thing. Right, and you have a website, and you also have Facebook, and you're also on Twitter, also. So um, and some Flickr of those, and Flickr and, and YouTube. And, yeah. So a lot of that information can also be dumped right into the Facebook page, and or also the blog or website page too. Yeah. So exactly. it's a constant. And we in-
8: encourage people to, you know, especially
9: during that weekend. Um, upload your photos, set, share your videos. I mean, really show us, show us what you're what you're doing, and you know, it's it's kind of a great way to also bird without birding somewhere else in the world. So
2: right, and if you don't if you don't have your own website or anything like that, that's also a great way of being able to share those that those pieces of information. Oh, for too. sure,
9: right. and to be able to share your stories and everything.
2: Exactly, we really
9: encourage people to get involved in the conversation.
2: True. Um, You also tie into, um, if I may just say, um, just a quick mention that um, Danielle and Michelle have a company called Specific Bird and Supply Company, and it's actually a really unique company because it's not bird feed, it's uh, bird insects and (laughs) such. Maybe you could just give a little little tidbit about that because I think that this is an important thing because it ties into not only that you're involved with birds but that it goes way back you have a business of this Um, it's your love of what you like to do Um, you know um, so it kind of ties together
8: yeah you know Michelle and I we actually grew up on a farm and our father's always been a really big animal lover and He's actually been in the all-natural dog treat industry for the last 50 years or so. So it was a pretty – it was just very organic, the way that we ended up getting into the wild bird feed industry. And we saw a way that wild bird feeders could introduce – you know, to date, most people feed seed. But we thought by introducing alternative foods like insects and nuts and fruits, nectar, suet, to your backyard um, birding buffet – could really start attracting those insectivorous, colorful songbirds that people really want to see in their backyard. So that's really what our what our company is based on. And in doing so, you know Michelle and I are backyard bird feeders. I have eighteen very active bird feeders in my backyard in Hollywood.
2: Yeah, you were um, telling me about a couple birds the other day that you yeah, just you'd get be in surprised because surprised you... to see what I got here, <laughs> such as. Yeah, we have everything
9: from black phoebe's coming to our mealworm feeder to um, black-headed grosbeaks to
8: western bluebirds to, I mean, you name it. We get some really, I mean, and the hummingbirds are a whole different
7: story. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow,
8: girls. (laughs)
7: Huh? I'm coming over tomorrow to see some of those. Oh, yeah. No, we
8: get, um, just yesterday we went and we had dinner at this, um, it's a hummingbird sanctuary that's, it's, it's a restaurant that is actually a rooftop hummingbird sanctuary. Very Favorite cool. Favorite spot in
9: L.A. At the Petite Hermitage Hotel. It's unbelievable. And so um, we like to go up there and, and, you know, have lunch or something. And bird. And bird. It's, it's <laughs> and bird. Kind of a nice tie-in for the two of uh, two loves of life. But
8: Michelle and I, you know, we have our company and we love we love birding, but we also think it's very important to give back and to to uh, educate Future birders, and um, you know, ensure that we have a future generation of conservationists that we're we're working to create.
2: Exactly, and I, Chris, and I say the same thing. Um, you know, my husband and I do. Um, you know small workshops and always talking to people out on in the birding world and chris has two young sons and he's always out gallivanting around in in the in the in the wild so you know i, I think it's always yeah. near and dear to our hearts to continue to at least educate the young and old also because you're never too you're never too old and you're never too young to it's, learn and educate and i think dave can say the same thing on that end too
7: it's Actually, true. Marty, you hit a great point because we all talk about kids, and it's important for kids. It's you know a cognitive exercise for kids, but for people that are retired and getting older in age, it's also really important to do it because that same process, you know, the roll decks is trying to work out a bird identification is such great cognitive exercise. Mm-hmm. It keeps oh, your mental acuity going. Absolutely, and for older people, you know that's priceless. It keeps you going. It keeps you motivated. And, the, you know, fights off depression. Stress relief is right there, and it's a no, another part of your social life.
2: Oh, absolutely! Just
7: people of every age.
2: Absolutely, and one of the things, just as a little insight to what I was doing at one point, is I was a caregiver for my mom who passed away a while ago at 91 at a very young age. And um, one of the things that she loved to do is that she would feel housebound. And so I would go over to where I used to live and take her out. I mean, for most majority of the day, and we'd go over here to Greenwich Point or go somewhere where she could see distance, water, or if she wanted to go into the woods and just take a look around and listen to nothing because that calmed her soul. And so, you know, again, there we go back to anybody, any age, any time. And it's it's also about just planting
8: seeds. You know, Michelle yeah, and I grew exactly. up with great exposure to birds. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that in our teenage years we rebelled and
2: of course, we all did, did not have an
8: interest. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, it's those seeds had already been so deeply planted that it was the most Nat- once we, you know, came into early adulthood, it was the most natural thing for
9: us to turn to. And I'd also say it's like the first escape that we go to when we need to, you know, de-stress or relax. So. Exactly. <laughs>
2: and some of those seeds you don't know about until you get older and you realize, oh, wow, yep. I'm really kind of into this. This is kind of cool. But then it comes back to the remembrance of the key thing from way back when. At least that that's the way it goes in my brain. So
8: completely.
7: Yeah. Yeah, so it could start One other gradually. Point, it it's important not to force it on kids. Oh,
2: no. Then,
1: or you know, anybody. Or anybody. Yeah. Right.
0: You
7: know, be there as a guide, but you know, you don't want to shove it down their throats.
1: Yeah, we went camping with my boys uh, a couple times this this weekend alone and uh you know, we uh while we're fishing a great blue heron flies by. So there I I, I mm. I'll, I'll I'll point that out. I'm not going to but I'm not going to take them specifically if they don't want to just to, to go looking for birds. You know, if you're fishing, camping, and a bird comes by, that you know that you know who knows what their when their spark bird is going to is going to come.
8: Yeah, no, it's true. Michelle and I, our background, our mother's from Ecuador, actually, so we're a bit spoiled in that sense. Where we have Lucky um, you know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you grow up going to visit. Two hundred and fifty relatives in Ecuador. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice when you're from one of the you know birding hotspots in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, both of our spark birds occurred when we were younger in in the Galapagos.
6: Hmm. Easily, what, mine what, was the frigate bird, birds? and hers was
8: the, the blue-footed booby, and it was just. Those are things you, you don't to listen forget. Listen to Dave laughing in
2: the background.
8: <laughs> okay. yeah, it's true, yeah. You don't forget them, and you you get uh, older.
7: A and story. <laughs> love that bird. Okay, but so
2: true. you have the blue footed booby. So what else is the other bird? Because. Uh, Magnificent
9: frigate bird, but oh, we went okay. back last year and we had a chance to see that we, we went and saw the Galapagos rail, the I mean we saw all the other endemics, which was the coolest thing. Yeah. Ever.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well we have about three minutes left only. So uh um August twenty fourth through twenty sixth, pledge to fledge, which is where in many parts of the United States, August is not the best time to go birding, but obviously it's a global initiative, so how how did you come up with these dates? Date
8: does Dave,
7: would you like to answer this? Do you want me to? Well, uh, one thing is (laughs) the dates are there as a guide. You know, you're going to do it. That event's going to happen that weekend. But it's not hard, you know, heavy migration time necessarily. Right. But it gives you an entree to get those people out. And then, you know what? You have the rest of fall migration to get them out there and keep it going. It's a great introduction and then you keep it going, you still have you know two or three months to get them really into it. you know you 're going to have the songbirds coming through you 're going to have the raptors coming through, but by laying those seeds on the twenty fourth third twenty sixth you 're starting that foundation you 're going to be able to capitalize on that for throughout the rest of the um, season right. and that 's a big part of it, but it's also the a global is- thing.
9: Sorry, and the interest isn't always in migrants. I mean, it's, you know, literally getting into your local, you know, local backyard or patch birding and and literally going to see what's in your backyard and things that you can become familiar with on a, you know, normal, everyday, day-to-day basis. Um, You know, I'm always in awe when I still see a great blue heron. I mean, just how big they are and how beautiful they are, especially in their plumage. It's just, you know, always awe-inspiring.
1: All right. Well, we're unfortunately we're about out of time, but August 24th through 26th, pledge to Fledge, Just give us the uh, the website quickly.
9: Yes, and to and we really encourage you to go and take your pledge and take a non birder out birding.
1: Okay. Well, Danielle and Michelle, Wolf and Dave uh Magpion, thank you very much for being on this on Bird Calls Radio.
2: Thank you, Thank you. you very me. much. Thank right. you very much. Have a great day.
1: Okay, that's yeah. about it for Bird Calls, uh, uh, sponsored by Wild Birds Unlimited and Darien in Bedford Hills, New York, and also uh, Maritime Aquarium at Norwalk. So have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next Sunday here in 1490 WGCH.